0: This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. You talked about the marketing calendar. When's the race schedule going to come out? Because we've got a wedding to plan. (laughs) Mm,
1: Well, I would say... How about fall? Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, we every year it's try typically to get out thing it, I know. Or, <laughs> I know, probably September, but every yeah. year we try to do it a little bit earlier. Welcome to Kelly and Hart Miller's Fast Lane Family presented by Wella Professionals. Salon care
0: products that you can experience with your senses. Get high performance, you can see, touch and sense. All right, welcome to this week's edition of Fast Lane Family. Stay tuned later in the show when our Wella Professionals share secrets to keeping your naturally curly hair frizz free in our tip of the week right now though I'm going to bring my guest on in the studio Jill Gregory and I I know to my listeners this is probably not a very recognizable name but I'm very excited to have you here she holds a big title and position with NASCAR and it's going to be fun to uh, pick her brain and get to know her senior vice president of industry services welcome Jill
1: thank you Kelly thanks for having me
0: I'm excited for you to be here. I've got to work with you over a lot of years, and I'm um, excited to share uh, what you do for the sport and hopefully maybe a little insight and share that with our listeners and get to know you a little better.
1: That sounds great. Hopefully, I won't tell too many stories out of school.
0: <laughs> and on uh, June 11th of this year, you also assumed the leadership role in NASCAR marketing, so that's a a, a big role for you to fill now as well. <laughs>
1: There's not a lot of free time left these days, not at
0: all. We're going to get to that too. Okay, good. Jill's one of the eight women in NASCAR's upper management in NASCAR. Um, so I, I think that's very fitting. And I probably, I'm just going to jump out of the box with this because I get this question often, being a female in our sport, and I'm sure that in your travels you do as well. What advice do you have for folks who are looking into to get, I always get asked, you know, it's this male-dominated sport, you know, how do you survive and, and fit in?
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's actually that they just asked me a bunch of those questions when I got named to the new position and you kind of, and I think you probably feel this way too. You don't really look at it like, how did I crack into this male dominated (laughs) sport? You just went and did your job and did it well and treated people the right way and kept connections and you kind of end up, you know, moving along. So I never really approached it as Cracking into the male dominated sport. It's just been always what I've done, and hopefully, I've done it the right way, and and that's allowed me to move up. So it's been um, a wild ride. And you know, you kind of look around and you look around in meetings and you're often the only female but that doesn't really occur to you until someone asks you about it. Yeah I actually thought about that not too long ago when we had one of our owner meetings and there
0: were three of us in the room and you and I and and one other and and I thought that very thing I was like you know we're in a room with 50 people and there's three women there and and I do feel the same as you. I don't think about cracking into it. I, I think that I'm intelligent and I was confident and I worked my way to where I am and it just happens to be in this area and and I know you've done the same so let's talk about that you're born out in Modesto California
1: I was it was a well it's a little bigger town now but kind of a small (laughs) town feel Central Valley farming community so when you think of California it's definitely not that it wasn't you know the beach (laughs) or anything although I did live in a couple of those places, but it was just a small town. My um, is that Southern California or no it's middle, um Northern? basically due east of San Francisco. Okay. So right in the middle of, of the Central Valley. So tomatoes and peaches and, and farms and grapes and the ninety nine Speedway was kind of the closest track, although I was not a race fan growing up. I had three I am one of three girls and we had i had three boy cousins that were the same age and they were totally into racing like they would ask for headers for christmas presents and i would have (laughs) no idea what that was but you know it was just a close-knit you know good easy place to grow up and i kind of feel similar to like probably what it was growing up out here and so you what was your first
0: experience with racing and or nascar
1: i would go races to races with them and i would go uh, the first nascar race i went to was at sears point which isn't Sonoma Raceway now, but those of us that are yep. remembered as Sears Point, and you'd go camp on the hill and get the motor home and, and do all the things that our fans still do today. So I had kind of that. We had the same uh, campground every year and would just go every summer, and, and that was my first um, entry into it. And then when I got to work in it a little bit more, I had at least some familiarity with what it was all about. Looking
0: back, often people, if they're they're not, fans of our or, or diehard fans you know they're aware they're kind of that casual fan and I say you have to go to a race and experience yeah. that looking back on your experience I bet you can tie that together pretty well yeah absolutely <laughs> I think
1: you don't understand not even the sound and the you know the pageantry and all the things that we do now but even then just that camaraderie and the feeling of you know, we had the same people camping around us every year. And so it just felt like more than just, you know, maybe a three-hour sporting event. It was a full weekend. And yeah. I think that's what our fans gravitate towards today.
0: Yeah, because anybody that I tell, you know, you got to get to a race. I mean, it just blows them yeah. out of the water yeah. about their experience when they get there. So that's that's really cool. So you have a degree in journalism and your first job was in sports marketing uh, with Wonderman. How did that lead you into the NASCAR world?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a, a long, long story. <laughs> <laughs> I did work in sports marketing, but living in, in California, we only had two. We had uh, two races. We worked on um on the sears point event and then i we also did indycar which was cart at that time and we would do the portland um, there was a street course in portland oregon so what i did is i had a region of the country and then anything that was sports related in that region that i got to work on so uh, Rusty Wallace was driving the two car at that time. Miller Brewing Company was our client. And so I just got to know people there. And, and as you definitely know, Kelly, it's, um, once you know people and you start to build a network, you know, the NASCAR families like no other in terms of just keeping your connections and, and getting to know people and, and, in my different travels around after that, I just kept those same contacts. I ended up probably the easiest, tie to keeping me in NASCAR was I went to work for Texaco and obviously where oil and gas products were (laughs) uh, we were very involved at the time and you know unfortunately they're not involved today but did a ton of work and then even had my contacts even stronger after that and then I think the one big opportunity to stay in NASCAR was um, after a couple of different jobs I got the chance to work for Nextel when Nextel took over the sponsorship of the what is now the Sprint Cup Series from Winston. And so that was, you know, I had been around NASCAR in the past as a sponsor and some other activities, but the Nextel job just dumped me right into the middle of, <laughs> of it because I think I joined um, in the end of '03, and then 2004 was the first Nextel Cup season. And, and you guys remember this, you know, it was every sign and every, you know, we were doing phones that had driver's pictures on them and we were doing hospitality and and all sorts of things. So um, I really kind of jumped back into NASCAR with both feet at that time.
0: Looking back at that time, what was one of the most challenging things to to
1: rebrand? Because Winston had been with the sport for so long. Yeah, I think we were really worried about how Nextel would be received by the fans. Um, so I think that if you kind of look back at different things that you've done, that's probably one of the most gratifying things because we tried to do everything the right way that we hired a lot of folks that had worked at R.J. Reynolds. Um, we tried to do all of the things that R.J. Reynolds had done to support the sport. So all the signage, you kind of keeping the tracks up, doing a lot of fan programs. They had done so much for the fan base over the course of the history of NASCAR. And I think at the time that it was really important to Nextel and, and our leadership that we respected that, but also tried to bring some new things. So it was a really fun, exciting time to be. A part of it although you know we had a one little office that's over still over there in uh, Huntersville Business Park right across from Joe Gibbs Racing and this was I'm going to date myself but (laughs) there was a fax machine and a phone (laughs) and a room full of people and like you couldn't talk on the phone when the fax machine was going and that was uh, a while ago but it was really fun to be a part of
0: so explain your position at NASCAR in sort of a layman's term for the listeners and and kind of what your position encompasses
1: yeah, I'll start with kind of the the position that I've worked with you most closely on is is industry services, which sounds kind of vague and, <laughs> and no one really knows what that means. I tried to explain it to my grandma and she's like no idea what I do. <laughs> but we it was just a group within NASCAR that started out trying to help the teams with sponsorship and how, you know, NASCAR's the league could to do more to help the the teams and then we translated that to the tracks. so we started we built on that and we started working with the tracks on ticket sales and what you see out there now with kind of pre-race and how do you prove the driver's meeting and how do you give the fans more stuff to do Um, because we know they spend a lot of time at the track and so how can NASCAR help the tracks um, do more in that area and then now we moved it even further to the drivers and driver star power and how do we help both our veteran drivers kind of get more exposure um, in the fan base and outside the fan base and then some of these younger drivers and getting them ready for that big moment so when Cole is in victory lane or Ben Rhodes makes a you know a big move that they're ready for that because NASCAR really didn't do that before so when um, drivers were coming up the ranks we really relied on their on track experience and if they did something you know really exciting on the track then that's how they built their fan base and obviously that will still always be a huge part of it you know nothing takes the place of the competition on the track but we're doing a lot of things behind the scenes to kind of help those drivers get ready because they have to do so much more than just drive the race car now as you are very aware of and There's a lot of pressures and a lot of things that that drivers didn't have to do in the past. So just, you know, we have a group at the league, um, so to speak, at NASCAR that tries to to make sure that we're providing the most amount of support that we can. So um, teams, drivers and tracks are kind of the main areas of my old job, uh, which I promised the the team back at the office that I wouldn't call it old job (laughs) and new job much longer. I gave myself to Daytona, so I guess I'm not doing so well. Um, but then we've now added the marketing piece of it so it's really exciting you know the marketing the television spots how we try to make sure that our avid fans are happy and and excited about what we're doing and then how do we grow new fans how do we get more kids involved how do we get more diversity Um, so that's kind of the new piece of it it's uh, it makes a ton of sense because we're already doing that with the drivers anyway um, and so now we're just going to have those two groups be much more connected. And I think it's going to be really good for the industry because you know, I think most of, of the teams and the drivers and the tracks want to know what NASCAR is doing in this national area, so then they can kind of draft off that and then you guys can now tell your sponsors what NASCAR is doing. So I think the integration and the connection between kind of the old job and the marketing piece is, is going to be really helpful to everyone.
0: I um, picked up on online about I think this is a kind of parlay it for the fans in terms of when you speak about the driver star power and the things that you're doing to kind of put them in places maybe that they wouldn't be is uh, something that we you did this year. I think it was this year in Hollywood. Um, with several of the drivers and going on set now how does something like that come together
1: we have a, a great office in la it's a small office but they're based right in century city so where all the the magic happens i guess if you will and, you know, they're constantly trying to pitch drivers or stories about NASCAR and put us, like you said, in places where fans wouldn't normally see us and have them say, oh, OK, that's interesting. I think that driver looks kind of cool and maybe I want to follow him or her. Um, so we have an L.A. office and one of the things we came up with, i think we've done it. Two, three years in a row now is take a group of young drivers and take them to um, movie sets, television productions, and really put them in front of these decision makers in Hollywood that are deciding, you know, what shows to put on air or what reality show. Uh, what music award show to to produce and have them see that drivers are much more than than who they are in their driver suit and in, in their helmet. So really try to get behind the scenes and showcase these young drivers who are much different from each other, as you know, when you have a stable of drivers, you know, I'm sure that Dale is much different than Cole and, and everything in between and Chase and, and Regan. And, you know, you, they all have different personalities, but if people just watch the race, they might not see that come through. They might get a little bit of it in a pre-race interview. And and NBC's done a fantastic job, I think, so far of doing a little bit more storytelling and getting behind the scenes. But um, we want to show these Hollywood decision makers or even fans for that matter, that there's more to these drivers than just kind of their stats and and what um, happens in the race car. So we brought, I think we bring usually about, Eight or ten drivers out to LA and kind of let them mingle with these decision makers in Hollywood. And so then the next time that they're making. Um, a choice about someone to feature that NASCAR's, you know, at the top of their list. Yeah,
0: Do You get a good reception from the drivers in terms of participating. And that's something that they're pretty, I think the younger guys just are yeah. so much more interested in. Yeah, you know, they um, love it. Yeah. I mean, I
1: think that, and, you know, we've done it a couple of different ways. We've taken them I mean, even onto the set where, you know, it's hard because, you know, when you go try to sell this into, to NASCAR leadership, they're like, well, what's that going to do in the short term? And you know what, it might not do anything, but it might just change a mindset about the driver. So the drivers are kind of standing around the set and they're seeing what goes on and and they're talking to people and they we might not know what that's gonna lead to. But um, I think that those, particularly the younger drivers, they're all connected and they're texting each other and they're posting everything on social media. So um, I think that even if we get that out of it, then it's a success. Yeah, exactly. How do you,
0: within NASCAR, your offices in Florida, uh, L.A., and Charlotte keep, and and is there still an office in New York? There is, yeah. New York. Uh, How do you keep that connectivity between the leadership and then everybody's goals, you know? Yeah,
1: it's tough because, but I think most companies are doing it these days. But, you know, Mike Helton um, has a Wednesday morning meeting every morning or every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. You cannot call in on a cell phone. So, you know, no dropping and you most likely or most often you need to be there in person. But, um, you know, so that's every Wednesday. I don't... There are very few that get missed, I think maybe (laughs) on an off weekend or something, but you know, so that's a good connection point. And then obviously, you know, there's a lot that happens at the racetrack, but you know, it's just, you gotta stay connected and then technology makes that easy, but it's hard and you know this, it's, you know, 35 weeks a year, 36 weeks a year and you know, February to November. um, It's hard to get ahead of a lot of things. You get so tied to the calendar that you really have to force yourself to look at that forward planning.
0: Yeah, it's just hard with my 120 folks, so I can't imagine within within a sport having four different offices on uh, all ends of the states here. So as far as uh, NASCAR goes, you're pretty much steering the ship as it relates to the branding and marketing. What's kind of your view on the state of the sport right now?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time to be involved with the sport. I think you've got this great mix of drivers. I think that's probably the most interesting thing is what we're seeing right now with a bit of a changing of a guard. Or You've got this, these this group of, of very established veterans that have a really huge fan base, and then you've got all these young upstarts coming in and and doing well. I think when I first came into the sport, it was hard, really hard, for a young driver to break in. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see all this young new talent come in and kind of get a chance. The chances that you guys provide and other team owners provide to this these young crop of drivers, I think that's really exciting because it gives the fans something to look at and and pay attention to and and hopefully those fans will transfer over so if Jeff Gordon's retiring this year obviously we want fans to have a reason to to now keep following NASCAR and if that's Chase Elliott Um, or any other young driver, you know, we want to have that happen. I think the other thing that's really cool and fun that's happening right now is kind of this change in the rules packages. And I want to get, you know, too in the weeds, but, you know, we did a lot of changes in Kentucky this weekend. And and I think the most exciting part about that is that NASCAR and the teams and drivers are communicating so much better and saying, hey, let's try something to make the racing even better than it is um, today. So I think that this idea that we've got these great, councils and committees going and talking to each other about, um, what to do to keep this sport at the top is, is really exciting. Cause that, when I first came into the sport, that really didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I think you probably feel the same way. It's like, it was nascar was over here on one side the teams were over here the driver you know everything was pretty separate yeah. and you see a lot more coming together um, now than you did in the past
0: yep exactly i know that's uh i mean that's just real important internally for us and i see the importance of, of working together even more and more and more how do you like this nascar next program you know how do you How do you guys put your eye on the next new talent within the sport? We're asked that question all the time. You know, how do we find these drivers
1: that are going to fill these seats? Right, (laughs) absolutely. So I think that, you know, we have, you know, NASCAR is not just about the three national series. So um, obviously we have the Sprint Cup, the Xfinity Series, and the Camping World Truck Series. But we have weekly and touring series that... Um, you know, k K&N East and West, we've got Modifieds, we've got Toyota Mexico Series and Canadian Tire Series. So we've got kind of our finger on the pulse across the country and across North America. But we also kind of rely on word of mouth. And it's, you know, as you know, anyone that's a racer is at a track on a given weekend, they're like, oh, you got to keep your eye on this kid or that girl or, you know, keep your eye on these drivers. So we kind of keep this list of prospects, if you will. And it's, you know, it's not real scientific. It's, hey, someone said they saw someone race on a given weekend and and we should take a look at it. And so we rely a lot on on our weekly and touring guys and gals to kind of keep us in the loop. And then other drivers, I mean, obviously... As you know, half of these, not probably over half, any time these guys aren't racing their real jobs, their day jobs on the weekend, they're at a track somewhere. So they'll say, "Hey, you need to, to take a look at this driver." So we just try to keep our finger on the pulse and see who's around and and then a lot of these drivers make their own luck. I mean, you know, they're persistent, they're trying to break in. So, you know, if they've got the talent and the desire, they'll come knocking on your door too. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: that's what I see in Ben Rhodes, just fascinated at the fact that he run 10 races with us but through social media he is doing something almost every day of the week somewhere you know he's taking a show car here there and everywhere and just working every angle that he can from an awareness standpoint so it's really cool to see for us as a team you know, things change so quickly in our sport. Right. And, um, you know, just thinking in the driver star power, you know, you, you may have a driver that's been in the NASCAR next series that then the next year doesn't have a ride. Right. And, and things can change that quickly. How do you, as a sanctioning body, plan and react to those kinds of things?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question, because I think that one of the things when we sold in the NASCAR Next program, because a lot of the things we do right now are brand new, so you had to convince someone that this was a good idea. (laughs) And, you know, part of the selling point was, hey, you know what, we may pick 12 kids and Maybe only six or eight of them end up making it. And that might be talent. That might be funding. That might be they lost interest. They decided to go get married or <laughs> whatever the case might be. And we kind of had to sell in the fact that you know we're going to take a chance. Or we're going to invest some, some time and resources in a given driver. And maybe they don't end up going on to do anything. And that's okay. We have to be okay with that because there are those that will you know, skyrocket and make it happen, and it'll make the whole program worthwhile. But if we waited to be 100% 100 sure on everything, then we would have never gotten the program off the ground. So, you know, it's good that, that everyone at NASCAR has realized that we could take a bigger role in this, and then we can help, you know, supplement what you guys are doing. I mean, you at the team level are the ones that are having to invest, you know, the real dollars in putting these kids in a seat. You know, so what can we help do behind the scenes or, you know, kind of on the marketing or sponsorship side that helps you guys, you know, be able to keep doing that? Yeah. It's, it's so challenging, and you think about just like the rules
0: changed this past weekend, and how long have you guys been contemplating that, right. and what steps did you take to put all that together, and our, our, our fans, you know, they don't know all the behind the scenes, and um, I got pretty aggravated uh, with the Daytona race, and the um, I didn't get aggravated with race. Loved the race, I love the race, I got aggravated with people, And their comments about the rain delay and you know, why is it on this night? Here's the rain delay and why are they racing at one o'clock in the morning? And I'm like, you know what, people, there is someone somewhere that is smart that thought this through and just go with it, you know? (laughs) Because it can every, it it can be so all over the board and people I just like have the faith that the people that are in charge know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: amazing how many things and we call it like you just you pull one thread and then the whole thing unravels because every little decision that gets made has you know an effect on something else. a bunch of different effects whether that's tv or the team ownership or the driver or the schedule the fans the tracks yes um you know everybody's got a piece in it and i think that's the balance is trying to figure out the best decision that helps the most amount of people and then kind of you know making sure that anyone that is poorly affected is minimized as much as possible exactly
0: yeah it's it's certainly a tough thing to uh, work on yeah being in the tower
1: (laughs) when the tower when they're trying to decide on a rain time or going back to green even i when i first went into the tower at dover mike helton and and team invited me to come up there when i was a sponsor and it was just amazing to me the split second decisions that were happening and you know it's they're talking about car numbers and they're not talking about drivers and it's like the wreckers and, you know, this is happening and you know, it's, you know, one more to go before it goes back to green. And it's just amazing kind of the controlled chaos that happens up yeah, there. And yeah. from a viewer or a fan's perspective, they just see, Hey, we're back to racing. Yeah. So. A, a good example of that. I think uh, I listened to the, some of the uh, radio
0: chatter um, on NASCAR.com, the little videos that they've been doing lately. And as, Austin's wreck was happening and the crews were running out you know the 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 first thing for people is to go oh my gosh let's go see if he's okay and you hear the tower every car on the racetrack stop
1: I've got people running everywhere you know just stop before something else crazy happens well I think that those of us that are closer to the sport when you saw those crew guys running out you're like oh no like you want you know they wanted to help but yes. you're thinking okay let the ambulance get there let yes. the the first responders get there because you're like okay something else could happen right. that you don't want to see exactly
0: so. exactly and so they're that split second decision that they're back on the the tower radio is just saying hey, everybody yeah. just cool your jets and <laughs> stop and let the process happen yep. what are some things that you guys are working on within the sport for future direction
1: we're doing a lot of work right now trying to attract kids, youth. You know, there's a program called NASCAR Acceleration Nation, which basically takes all of the the principles of racing and, and puts it into the schools. It's a it's great program with Scholastic where we can take NASCAR branded materials and talk about science, technology, engineering, and math, and use all of the things that are unique to NASCAR to help the education process and and oh, by the way, we're going to get more kids interested in the sport, which is, you know, how you continue to grow. So I think that's probably one of the most exciting things. And that's part of the the marketing role is, you know, figuring out, you know, we started small, you have to make sure, kind of test and learn and make sure that it's working. But we've gotten a huge response. I think it's in 16,000 schools right now. And so there's a ton of potential for that to grow. And, you know, it's you see the kids that come out to the racetrack. They're so excited about it and they're so Um, you know, the noise and the cars and the drivers and, you know, the drivers look like heroes. And um, so I think the more kids we can get engaged, the better for all of us. So I think that's kind of one of the biggest, most exciting pieces going on right now. And then just continuing this driver development. I mean, there's so much young talent out there. And how do you try to help them and shepherd them and and make sure that they do everything they need off the track, you know, so that when they find that success on the track that they're ready to go. So, I mean, it's a great time to be involved. And like I said earlier, this kind of this newfound communication between um, the teams, you know, I think you and I, you know, have had some good experience doing that on the team to NASCAR level over the past several years, but kind of adding the drivers into the mix has been great and getting their perspective. And I think the fact that everybody's, you know, so closely aligned and working together together is is really good right now
0: is there something that you have your finger on in terms of the experience that track or or something that you know that you guys you know want to make better that you um you're not there yet, yep. but you know that there's something on the horizon.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing from the at-track experience is, you know, is all about the device and being able to use your phone at the track. So whether that's Wi-Fi hotspots or, you know, Wi-Fi throughout the facility, which is just, it's a bigger challenge for us than it is for the stick and ball sports because we're talking it's about, so you know, you're going to try to go put Wi-Fi at Talladega. Right. You're talking about a lot of Ten real estate. A lot of real estate, <laughs> but... It's how everybody consumes anything they do right now, not just the NASCAR race, but if you go to the Panthers game or you go to a concert, you know, I went to to McGraw on Friday night and everybody's tweeting pictures and, you know, they're hardly even watching the show because they're making sure to post everything. So I think that's probably the biggest initiative we're working for, working on at the track. I think fans that have been coming to the races, you know, recently in particular have seen... The tracks really get aggressive in adding new things to do. So pre-race access, backstage access, pit road, um, a lot of different hospitality experiences, getting to meet drivers, you know, the driver's meeting, which I know the drivers (laughs) themselves are like, it's not a driver's meeting, you know, anymore, it's it's a show, (laughs) Um, but Fans love to see that, and it's really interesting and compelling to see what happens as these drivers are preparing for the race. So I think you see a lot of the tracks just trying to provide that access, that VIP access, and things that you can't get anywhere else. So you know that'll continue to happen. But I think that you know as we continue to grow, um, kind of working on that connectivity at the racetrack and yeah. and people being able to engage socially with what they're seeing, is is a big thing on the horizon.
0: How far does the executive team for the
1: sport. How far are you looking out for the sport? So right now, a good example of that is we're working on our 2016 marketing calendar. So basically over the last couple of years, what we've tried to do is take a look at the season and, and put it into planning buckets so that sponsors can say, Hey, this is what I should plan for. And, and like I said earlier, you know, we get guilty of the race schedule and you always say, Oh, well, I can't do that cause that's Pocono or that's, <laughs> um, you know, Charlotte. And so, you know, we, have a tendency to kind of go week to week and then you wake up one day and you're in Miami and you're like, what, what happened to this year? It's, it's already gone. So right now we're working on the 16 marketing count, cal- the 2016 marketing calendar. And I think that from a sponsor standpoint, that's probably even a little bit late because as you know, there you know, all of these consumer brands are already working on, their, uh, on yeah. their plans for next year. So what we try to do is we'll try to get it out by mid August Um, And that'll showcase, you know, what we're doing to launch Daytona and the Daytona 500 and what'll be unbelievable next year with Daytona rising with the the new facility. It'll be fantastic. And then we had a really good success this year with the 600 miles of remembrance and the American Salutes program around Memorial Day. So that'll be a big um, pillar of the calendar. And then you kind of go into chase. Um, And those are the big efforts that we do. But week in and week out, you know, even with the other series, it's driver development and And fan engagement and how do we just get more fans kind of interested in what we're doing and and have them come to races and and watch uh, the broadcast because we have such a great sport and it's so exciting. We want as many people to see it as possible.
0: What has been the storyline this year that has just kind of been the, the game changer as far as the sport?
1: I think it's this rules package, and again, I'm getting a little bit over my skis on this because you know, <laughs> I'm in the meetings and they're talking about, you know, well, if we do this to the rules package, we have to change the gear ratio. and We yeah. have to change all, you know. But the fact that we're doing these types of things in the middle of the season and, and the – industry discussion that has to happen for even what happened just this past weekend in Kentucky and then we're going to do something different for Indy and something different for Michigan you know I think that's you know if I'm a fan I'm thinking probably not understanding why exactly we would do that but I think that you know I guess what my takeaway would be is you got a group of people that are here trying to make it the best, most exciting racing um, and make it even better. So, you know, I'm if I'm a fan, I'm all for it because, yeah. I mean, you saw the racing this past weekend. It, it turned out really well. You talked about the marketing calendar.
0: When's the race schedule going to come out because we've got a wedding to plan? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I would say... How about fall? Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, we every year typically try to get a fall out thing, early, I, know. <laughs> I know, probably September, but every yeah. year we try to do it a little bit earlier.
0: We won't we'll, we'll make sure we wait cuz we, we it's got to be perfect. We can't yep. be uh rain delays already get in the way of certain things. We, our trip for Germany uh that was on the hills of Michigan, I mm-hmm. think. And we had rain issues that yeah. weekend. So I'm, um, you know, on plan B for flights and this, that, and the other. And thankful we didn't have to use it. But we
1: um, might have to plan that wedding around New Year's sure. Eve.
0: <laughs> I know. It's, it's a scary deal to try to plan it during the season yeah. just with one of the few off weekends because you just never know what's going to happen in the sport. That's a big thing to plan to have to yes to uh, move to it gears. to something else yeah. and shift. <laughs> Quite crazy. Well, let's get, I'm pretty interested in this topic and that's some um, packing you travel to 25 races a year and i tried this with my germany trip you you seem to have it pretty well down pat, and I'm interested to learn more on your packing scheme and how it works.
1: <laughs> it's all a complete <laughs> sham. Like, I don't have it down at all. It's one of the worst things. I don't know. It's, you look like you have it pretty well together. It's the most challenging thing because, you know, again, kind of back to our, you're traveling with with a bunch of guys. They're in their <laughs> carry-on. They're like, why are you checking a bag? And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, even to get the shoes and everything else, you've got to <laughs> have a bag. And, and then I flew... With NASCAR from Daytona to Sonoma and we got this directive from from Mike's office that said pack light I'm like it's a whole week in Sonoma and then I'm you know I'm going home I'm seeing family and it's a challenge so I do try to just keep it to one kind of theme color scheme and but I kind of do the best you can I do have like a whole set of travel items that I just keep packed all the time yeah. so I always throw in the same you know that's all easy so once I can figure so out in your house this is organized
0: like this you you have I mean literally see my problem in my closet and I had that, this problem this morning is I forget I have stuff you know so I haven't developed a good system of how to pull it all together. Right. Basically. Yeah. Do you organize by outfits? Like I have all my tops together by yeah. color and all my jackets. And then I'm like, how, what do I pull together? Like I need it very simple. Yeah.
1: I'm not really good at that <laughs> either. Um, I do kind of have like the track, what I would wear to the track, which is different than what you would wear Every to a meeting. Right. Like I'm leaving today to go to Vancouver cause I get to go on my first commercial shoot in the, on the marketing side of things. And we're going to shoot some of the chase, uh, the early chase creative. And, I looked at the weather and it's 71 is the high which is you know unheard of here because it's been like a oh, it was 103 yesterday yeah. when i got in into my car so i have to go through and kind of find what you Works. know something is appropriate but i kind of just go back to the same standbys and travel i see all these women wear these really nice dresses or walking through the airport in heels and i'm one i'm freezing on the plane and two i can't walk around the airport in heels so i just throw either my flip-flops or my flats and then kind of change in the airport yeah, so. that's
0: how you're you're tall so you don't really have that problem that's how my always my dilemma at the track is my pants are always too long for the types of shoes I can wear because I'm not going to wear heels around the racetrack right so it's like what do you do
1: yes I found a really good pair of their wedges Tom's wedges at the track and they're super comfortable but they works. give a little bit yeah. of of height so my because yeah. I like my pant legs are Fallen on the ground, yeah. and then by the time you walk around the track all day, they're kind of all yeah, ruined and exactly and gross.
0: It's it's always a challenge. One, what's your your must-have pack roll?
1: Uh, my must-have pack roll. I always throw in a scarf because I'm cold. And even here with the air conditioning, it's like you go yeah. outside and you You're are hot as can be. And then you get into the office and I have a, this little fleece blanket, stuff. knows I, it's in my office <laughs> and it's awful, but I have to have it because the air is just blasting. So I always bring either kind of the cashmere scarf or sweater. Um, and then I have to just bring the, the flats or the javiana flip-flops that are just my standby and then I try to change really quickly. I'm going to
0: guess that you love shoes because I have seen you in some
1: awesome shoes. <laughs> I do. And kind of your point about having, you forget what you have. Yeah. So I just like, I have some really nice shoes and I like, <laughs> well, why don't you ever wear those? Well, are you are going to wear them to the track? No. Right. No. Nope. Are you going to wear them to a business meeting? Well, maybe not. Depends, so right, right. yeah, I have to like make myself just try something, something new instead of the same kind of black pair of shoes and well the, the key
0: too though is a, a piece of jewelry and a great shoe can really change yes. and make an outfit, you know. Yeah. I mean, you can take something so simple and yeah. just really create a kaboom with it. So,
1: yeah, I do the necklaces like this one I have on. Yeah, um, tassel necklace. Yeah, I just try to throw in something gold, something silver <laughs> or something mixed. And then I can wear different earrings with yeah. it and, and try to make it nice.
0: My problem in packing for Germany. So, I, of course, I asked Amy what she was going to take and she sends me this photo of you know one of the whole colorways and you've got your jacket and your shirt and your pant and this and skirt and then you put all this together and you've got five outfits and my problem was I didn't have any of that in my closet (laughs) so I'm like okay this isn't going to work for me so I've got to figure out how to shop better because I like it when I shop by yeah. the outfit yeah you know and then you have it all together but I tend to just go in and buy pieces and then right. I get home and I'm like well this doesn't match any pants I got or all my right. pants are black this doesn't go with this right
1: I try to <laughs> so, go all neutral and then you yeah. look at your closet and you're like it's all this is so khakis, boring. Grays and blacks <laughs> and you're like well I need a little bit of color do you have time to shop or do you shop online I do I shop online yeah. so I've been and uh, my neighbor is my <laughs> your package, package guy <laughs> You have something else. So I'm going to put it in the garage. I said, okay, thank you. Yeah. The parts
0: department here, I, I get a lot of my things here and, and
1: they come up and I know they're, they're just quiet. They just bring my
0: box in. I'm like, yeah, I've shopped again online. I'm
1: sorry. Well, I yeah, never because, get, get anywhere. And now the boxes, like the giant logo I know. on the side. And I'm like, Everybody knows me. what you're doing.
0: <laughs> like, Everybody knows if you've been to Haunt Look or yeah. Amazon or Nordstrom or Rue La La, all those fun places. Yes. I feel like we're getting deals. The last thing I was gonna talk with you about is your community involvement. You were recently um, named the corporate chair for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Light the Night Walk here in Charlotte. Yes. How's that going, and what do you have to do for that?
1: It's it's going well. Um, you know, it was a great opportunity was given to me actually by um, Jesse Essex at Hendrick Motorsports. I had called up one day and just said, hey, you know, we need a corporate chair for this event. He's very involved in the cause. And um, I'm on the board of the NASCAR Foundation. Mm-hmm. So I'm already doing some efforts there, but just kind of feel like with everything else that's going on that I want to, you know, do additional activities to, to give back. And so I talked to them and, and I asked them kind of what is the time commitment, and you know, again, yeah, with, our, are some with our of my first questions, <laughs> right? with our schedule, it's like, well, one, when's the walk? Because right. if it's you know Miami weekend, then that's not going to work. Yeah. Um, so it's actually the the weekend of the Texas race, so it was doable. And you know, I think that you know, it's been really rewarding because there's a great group of people that work for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and they've made it really really easy. And it's a great event. So if you look at the video for the event, it's Um, A lot of cancer survivors, a lot of pediatric cancer survivors, so a lot of kids that have been diagnosed really early and kind of the first couple years of their lives have fought kind of to, to get well. So the walk celebrates survivors as well. And so I think that it's been really rewarding to just kind of get to know some of the people that are benefiting from it. You know, a lot of the things that I'm doing right now is just sending out emails and asking people to help support. So um, that's been pretty easy. Um, You know, I'm, I am on email a lot later at night these <laughs> days than I than I was earlier than that. But that's okay because it's been a good cause. And I think that the great thing is we've gotten a lot of the um, industry folks involved. And, and as you know, Kelly, it's like there's one thing about the NASCAR industry and it's that they're the best people, the most charitable. And okay. and you ask for help on anything, whatever the cause is, and you've got, you know, a show of hands that, yep, that's willing to jump in. For sure. So that's been great. That's awesome. So do you have any... Free and downtime. Well, I had about two hours yesterday. I, <laughs> I, <was> just, <laughs> I had to go to a, a bridal shower, but I did actually have a normal social activity for um, for a weekend. So uh, people had, you know, we all had Sunday off, and so it was nice to see friends and. And do some of that. But it's challenging with our travel schedule and, you know, not only the race travel itself, but all of the other things that we have to do and responsibilities that you have to be very organized and, and a good time manager, as, as you know. And I think that, again, that's one of the things that when you're successful in these types of roles that we have, you have to do that. You have yes. to, to manage your time and your task list and my to-do list and, and all of that. So there's not a ton of time. I am going on vacation in a couple of weeks. I've three nephews that I'm going to visit out in California and we go to the beach every year. So looking forward to that. And that's kind of like the beacon, kind of like your Germany trip. It's like, you know, it's coming (laughs) and you're like, okay, if I can just get to that, then I'll be okay. So, um, you know, you try to do that, you know, periodically throughout the year and, and get a recharge. Do you have any hobbies? Uh, yeah, I play tennis, Mm -hmm. um, which is a little bit more difficult. You know, it's not like running or triathlon where you can be solitary. You have to have someone to actually play with, but (laughs) we have a a good group of folks in, uh, where I live that we play in a mini league. And so I try to do that and it kind of gets the aggression out too a little bit when you can just, you know, hit something, hit the ball really hard. (laughs) Um, so I try to do that and, um, you know, spend time with family but my other uh, sister lives in atlanta so they come up quite a bit um, or uh, next weekend I'd maybe try to go see them in charleston oh cool um, my niece is getting ready to play in a big lacrosse tournament so try to stay connected with the family yeah. too which kind of gives you a, a little bit of an outlet
0: yeah definitely that's good stuff to do these days is staying close and connected with the family and yeah. taking that time that you need because we everybody needs their batteries recharged yeah <laughs> we can get pretty uh down quickly just with the pace that we all keep so absolutely it's um it's exciting
1: though yes
0: so well yeah. thank you so much for coming on today i Thanks really appreciate it me. have a great trip to uh, vancouver and
1: thank you i haven't been there before so it's exciting i've never been to canada either so it's um i went to they montreal when we yeah. raced there but i haven't been to vancouver and i've heard great things about it so i have to make sure at least take an hour or two to kind of yeah. look around
0: <laughs> Well, safe travels and thank you hope you got your packing right <sighs> oh. I don't know. We'll see. It's time now for our tip of the week brought to you by Wella Professionals. Does the summer humidity have your natural wave curly locks going crazy, frizzy, and out of control? Well, we are going to let you in on a secret to help with that. There's some useful tips to get that curly hair from being unruly in the summer that you've always wanted. Speak with your stylist and let them know how your hair is reacting in the summer humidity. And that way you can come up with a solution to ensure that your cut is working with what you are experiencing. To make sure you get the best results with your hair, always use a shampoo and conditioner that is designed to work with your hair type. Once your hair is washed, now it's time to get to work. Decide on what products and styling implements that you are going to use. If you have a slight wave or curly hair and want those soft curls, take advantage that you have won half the battle. Simply apply the product and use a diffuser attachment on your blow dryer. You may not want to have it dried completely as letting it air dry with the product also helps to set and form your curls and waves. Be careful not to run your fingers through your hair too much as this will increase the frizz that you're trying to fight against. Everyone's hair is different, of course, so find a styling product that works for you. And you can do that by going to Ulta.com, checking out the full line of Wella Professional products, or visit one of the 782 Ulta stores nationwide. All right, well, thank you for joining us for this week's Vaseline Family and hope you'll tune in next time. Best Lane Family has been brought to you by Wella Professional Hair Care. Multi sensorial hair care products that you will see, touch, and sense the difference from your very first wash. Hair care needs from fine to normal to color to coarse, Wella's got you covered. Wella Professional Hair Care products are available at over 780 Ulta stores nationwide. Visit Ulta.com to find the store nearest you. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio.